You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Sunday evening as the bracket has literally just been released. It is, what time is it Eastern Standard Time, Scott? I know you just had daylight savings time. Just coming up on 7 p.m., 6.52. There we go. So the bracket show literally just finished. They're moving on to their extra four hours of uh, bracket coverage. And we decided to hop on the pod. We wanted to get an instant reaction to the uh, Michigan State bracket placement here. Obviously, you know, football podcast, but we can't go uh, on a Michigan State podcast without talking NCAA basketball. So, uh, Scott, what'd you think of the draw? The Foster Lawyer Revenge Game as it was written in stone for basically the last like month of uh, of bracket predictions duke in the region west region playing in south carolina where are we going with this yeah duke not just in the region duke in the building um on that two line we'd play them in the second round um i was kind of bummed to see davidson there i want to root for foster lawyer this tournament i think it's fun right um it's a terrible draw i mean foster lawyer could easily just put 50 points up on us um (laughs) i'm not too worried about his defense um, but I could definitely see just the unconscious foster lawyer game. That said, I are don't you know like, what would, are you genuinely worried about that happening or are you like, you know, no, let's not a 50 worrying about it. I happening. could certainly <laughs> see him hitting like six or seven threes in a game and just like, Oh my God, he's, he's really doing it. But no, I don't really think he has the capacity to score 50 points. Um, and yeah, I saw some people on Twitter that, you know, we're kind of trying, I'm like, all right, like it's it's a fun bit, but are we? I, and now that I'm saying this, I'm knocking on wood. But like, are we, are we really truly worried about the former Michigan State five foot eight, hundred and sixty pound <laughs> guard who could barely? I was watching them against Richmond. I mean, he couldn't get free against the Richmond defense. Like, I yeah, don't know, I, I'm not too worried about that. <laughs> if we're being real, I mean, Foster Lawyer. He's not the most intimidating player to have lined up across from you. That said, these players and coaches for this Michigan State team have said we can lose to anyone, and they can absolutely lose this game. Like, I'm not comfortable playing Davidson in South Carolina. They're from North Carolina. I don't know where I had to look that up. Um, But 
they'll have some fans. I don't know how big their just overall fan base is, so I can't really say it's going to be a home game for them because I just I'm not sure how many thousands of tickets they can actually sell. We'll see. I could be wrong. Um, but the Duke game on the second line, first instinct, I was like, okay, really? They're really going to do this to us again? You know, like they're not even trying to hide the storyline at this point. But I've said in private this year that I don't really see this Michigan State team making a deep run. It doesn't feel like it's one of those where like you got to avoid a, a tough team early because otherwise you might jeopardize your chance for for that really big you know, chance at a Final Four National Championship. I don't really see that team from Michigan State having the opportunity to end Coach K's career in the first weekend of his last tournament, I think is, it's a great opportunity. I think we should revel in it. I don't really, I probably wouldn't put my money there. Um, if I were, were sprinkling a little bit in, uh, in the, the DraftKings Sportsbook, but, um, but it's, it, it, hopefully, assuming we win that first game, it, it should be uh, a fun storyline. Uh, certainly it'll get the energy up. It'll get the blood flowing a little bit. We'll see. I haven't watched much college basketball outside of Michigan State this year. I'm sure Duke is good. They're a two seed. They're always good. I don't know how good compared to other Duke teams. I don't know if I'm being ridiculous and thinking Michigan State even has a chance here. Um, but it's always fun to play Duke. Give them our best shot. Um, again, they're obviously from North Carolina as well, so they would certainly have plenty of fans at that game. Yeah, I know um, they got that one kid that's projected to be a lottery, you know, top five pick, the freshman with a foreign sounding name, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm with you, man. I've watched so little college basketball around the country this year that as I'm watching this bracket reveal and some of the names are popping up, like, you know, a lot of it's the usual suspects, but you see some of these teams pop up on the three, four lines. You see some of the teams pop up on the 12, 13 lines. And you're like, I couldn't name a single player on most of these teams this year. And I don't know if that's like, there's, I think there's a lot that goes into college basketball, not being as popular as it once was, but there just isn't that star power. Like there was even five, 10 years ago. Like it's not even going back to like the eighties or something, but you know, back, I don't know the, the year that Denzel Valentine was on a run and you had him, you had Buddy Heald, you had some like third year, fourth year players who were superstars in the college ranks. And it just doesn't feel like we have those guys anymore. It's either one and done lottery picks or guys who have transferred or, you know, you have a few fourth year players, but the, the sport in general, I feel like through the regular season just isn't as popular as it used to be. And so the, the names, I don't know, like it, it just feels like those names aren't there. Those big, you know, that fourth year Duke guy that everybody hates, like the, what was it? Grayson Allen or something like, I, you just don't really say there's Brad Davidson, I guess. I was going to say, but... are you telling me Brad Davidson <laughs> and Foster Lawyer is not enough star power for a, a tournament for you? Yeah, but I don't know. Like I, I was, I listened to a lot of Dan Patrick and he was talking about it he watches more college basketball than most people. And he's like, even me, you get to a certain point where it's just kind of, you know, the coaches and that's about it. And that's kind of how I feel going into this tournament. I'm like, I'm looking up and down the the teams and I'm like, all right, well, I know the coaches of these teams, but I couldn't name a single player. I know that 
Virginia is going to play tough defense and, and shoot some threes. And I know that, you know, Auburn is going to be chucking threes and, and running up and down the court, but I don't know any players on the actual team. Yeah. Just looking at the one line, Gonzaga, Arizona, um, Baylor and Kansas, we played Baylor earlier in the year and Kansas. And I can't name a guy on either. There's a guy on Kansas. He, he had a great game against us. I can see his face. And I'm sure if somebody told me his name, I'd you know, it'd be one of those, oh, yeah, crap moments. But I can't name them. Gonzaga, you've got Chet. Uh, yeah. Just remember him because he's, you know, looks like a dinosaur. Right. Uh, and in Arizona, I have no idea. Not not even close to being able to name a player on that team. So, yeah, no, I, I hear that. Duke, like you said, their, their main guy, I, I read his name before we got on here. I don't remember it already, and I didn't know it before. <laughs> Kentucky couldn't tell you. Auburn couldn't tell you. Nova has a couple guys because they've been around forever. Villanova, I think, is an exception to to everything that you just said. They've had guys like, uh, what's his name, Gillespie. Um, yeah. I feel like he's been around for like three years, and he's uh, he was on the national championship team a couple years ago. Um, shout out Mason Bailey, Villanova Law School. I'm sure he's listening. Go Cats. Um, go Cats. And uh, yeah, they're in Michigan's kind of eighth of the bracket there. So that could be a fun one. Ohio State's also in that in that corner of the bracket. And Illinois is on top of that one. So nine Big Ten teams. Obviously, that's noteworthy as well. Uh, that means more than two on average in each corner of the bracket i think and none of them will advance to the elite eight (laughs) yeah i was about to say we're the only one without another one but that's not true rutgers is in the first four against notre dame in our corner of the bracket so we could see them again i'd rather not uh but we might you never know yeah so we're going to be doing a bracket challenge here this year uh we will post it all over social media if you're on uh twitter if you're on facebook um, it'll, it'll be there. We'll post it a few times throughout the week to make sure you got your chance to get in before the games start. We are tipping off Friday. We don't know what time yet as of recording right now, but, uh, we'll make sure to, uh, to announce that, but yeah, it'll be free to enter and we're going to run with kind of the same prize. The <laughs> Scott, you actually won the bull pick which is why we never really announced anything afterwards about like, Hey, this person won. Well, cause Scott won. So we, you know, we would like to be kind of gracious hosts and give it to second place, but you know what? Nobody earned it. I I'll just, I'll come out and say it. If you don't want to, you, you guys want a prize. You got to earn it. Nobody earned it. So, uh, what Scott was the ended show? Up taking the crown and, uh, we're, we're going to do a bracket challenge. The winner will be, uh, either eligible to join us on a podcast throughout the off season of their choosing. And and they can kind of pick the topic as well. If you're willing to come on, you can pick what we're going to talk about. Uh, but if you're not comfortable, if you don't want to, you know, uh, to put your voice out there or whatever, you can just pick the episode. Uh, you can tell us what we, what you want us to talk about. It can be Michigan state football related. It doesn't necessarily have to be. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll be posting that all over social media. So keep an eye out for that. What was the old ESPN show? Uh, stump the, what was the name? Stump the Schwab. I used stump to love the that Schwab. show. Yeah. With the bags of potato chips and everything. That's how I felt when I won the, uh, the bowl pick them. Uh, stump the Schwab stump is the reason that I basically didn't, get as good of grades growing up as I could have 
because you know it was one of those like every time the report card would come in and my parents would give me the same speech of something to the effect of you can memorize the stats of every quarterback but you can't get an a in math or something and i'm like well mom i gotta stump the schwab somehow and <laughs> it like doesn't the, come uh, without hard work it's like the guidance counselors who are always like just do what you love go into a field of what you love. And it's like listen it's really hard to get paid to learn sports stats and right. fun there's facts. only one schwab there's only <laughs> one schwab and no one stumps him so you know get rid of schwab and and i'll take over i that guy was amazing the amount of just encyclopedia sports knowledge he had. I mean, I don't, he must, I, I'd be surprised if he had a personal life outside of that. I mean, it, it would, it's, I mean, it's like Jeopardy too. And then Jeopardy folks, they know they don't even have a subject to focus on, but. Right. And that's another one where uh, Dan Patrick making his second appearance of the show, he used to work for ESPN. And and I, I remember him telling stories about uh, the Schwab and he's like, that was all, you know, people, people would always, you know, criticize and say like um you know oh they have to be feeding him answers or something he's like no 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 no. you would walk up to him in the in the kitchen getting coffee at the studio and he would just be throwing out random like hey dan you know who the batting champ was in 1957 he's like no why would i know that no of course not (laughs) yeah no to like contextually he'd be like yeah you know like what arena duke played in in the first round of their 19 70 whatever national championship run like just ludicrous it's not like who it's not just like batting champs mvps super bowl champions whatever like the big things it's these little man i wish they still had shows like that now it's just Stephen a smith screaming at somebody at a mad dog russo now yeah um no so so like we said we will we will have the bracket challenge up there uh but if if you're looking to get in on a little bit more action the March Madness is the absolute best time to get in with DraftKings Sportsbook. Turn your team's victory into your own big win this year. New customers can bet $5 on any team to win, get $200 in free bets if they do in college basketball in the NCAA tournament. It's that simple. If they win, you win. If the sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still join the college hoops action with DraftKings Pools. Everyone can play free pools all March long for a shot at a share of over $250,000 in prizes. Simply join a pool and answer questions like who will make it to the next round, who will hit the most three-pointers, and track your results. Simply download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we are a proud member. Bet $5 on any college hoops team to win. Get $200 in free bets if they do. If they win, you win with promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, restrictions apply. Uh, Let's see here. We got a bunch of new uh, disclaimers here. One second. Let me roll through this. If If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1 800 Gambler in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Connecticut and New Hampshire, 888-789-7777 in Connecticut, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 877-8-HOPE-NY in New York, 
Uh, let's see here. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Must be present physically in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. All right. That is not a one breath read anymore. <laughs> no, it is. We need some like expanded. We need like a like a consolidated national hotline. Like, can we can we work on this? Like a geez. I think this is our calling here. I I obviously support the services of the gambling hotlines, but yeah, we need to consolidate a little bit here. It's like a distribution center. Call here <laughs> and they'll connect you to the right. You know, they used to have the operator, you know, dial zero and the operator, you just tell them I have a gambling problem and they know right. what to do. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, make sure you get in uh, with DraftKings Sportsbook and make sure you get in with our bracket challenge, which by the time you're listening, will will hopefully be up on social media, but we will keep you posted. So Scott, what we're going to do here, spring football, it's not just March Madness that kicks off this week. Michigan State spring practice also kicks off this week. And we're going to go through, like we said earlier, position by position. Today we're starting with the quarterbacks. And there's some storylines that we're going to get to. There's some interesting stats from uh, Peyton Thorne's season last year that I want to get to. But quarterbacks, look, there's only a couple guys that we're really going to talk about. It's it's not as deep of a position group with with players that could get on the field as other groups. So I wanted to start this with what I was kind of thinking, tossing around this weekend. If you could be a fly on the wall for one position group for the whole spring, so you're sitting in on meetings, you're sitting in, in the film room, you're out on the practice field, you're in the weight room, you're with them throughout the entire spring. You're just following this position group around They're, you know, however you want to look at it, whether it's, you just want to see the talented guys in this group, you want to see the competition for playing time, whatever it is. Is there one that stands out? Cause I was trying to bounce around in my head i'm like i came up with like seven that i'm like i i could equally see an argument for any of these i think there's a lot of really interesting groups that that we have to get to but is there one that stands out so anywhere there's competition would be exciting uh offensive line defensive line secondary i I guess pretty much i'm going to go through every there's there's competition at almost every position group this year um, not only for starting spots, but for rotational, you know, pecking order. Um, it would be really cool to be with the defensive line to see what all the hype is about with Brandon Jordan to see really how he coaches. Obviously he puts some videos out on social, but to really see him day in day out, because he, I mean, he's, he's got a camp coming up for nose tackles for NFL nose tackles. It's going to have almost 50 NFL nose tackles on campus. He's clearly doing a lot that doesn't make it on social media. What makes him, a guy that 50 NFL nose tackles want to go train with in the off season. Right. So it'd be great to see that um, quarterbacks would be fun. I think it'd be really interesting to see how quarterbacks break down film, break down kind of attacking their opponents, learning to read coverages. I think you personally, I would just learn a ton about the game of football that way. Um, but 
with this group, I think I'm going to go with wide receivers because I think it's a great combination of a lot of really talented guys vying for the same, obviously the same playing time. Um, there's some ego at, in, in a wide receiver room in any wide receiver room, you know, you got guys who a lot of times are some of the most athletic guys on their team um, all the way up through obviously youth, high school, college now. Um, and it's just, acrobatic I mean it's fun you know you'd see highlights every day in practice you see those one-on-one matchups with the secondary that I'm sure get really exciting at practice um yeah and these wide receivers are just one of the most talented groups on the field uh for this team this year so uh, I think I'd go with the receivers yeah that that was one of them that definitely stood out like I said I you can easily make an argument for a lot of groups the wide receivers you know you're losing Jalen Naylor and with that you know, a lot of snaps are available and then you're bringing in a loaded recruiting class with Jeremy Bernard and Antonio Gates. I, I know Bernard is on campus. I can't remember about Gates off the top of my head, but I mean, you've got Coleman well, Coleman's with the basketball team right now, I guess. So he won't be there for, for a, at least a chunk of spring ball, but we talked about Montori Foster last episode as kind of a forgotten guy there, Trey Mosley, and then you've got some guys like uh, like Terry Lockett, who's been waiting to to make his mark. You got Christian Fitzpatrick, who transferred in, and he's he's ab- obviously looking to you know command some snaps and playing time. I think that's a really interesting one. The one I ended up going with was linebacker. I was really close between linebacker and corner, but linebacker is fascinating to me because. I, I was thinking about this. It, we've been running this four-two-five defense, and I'm wondering if that is the long-term vision. And uh, like, because Mel Tucker, as a defensive coordinator, has basically exclusively run three-four sets. Like when he was with Georgia and they won a national title or went to a national title game, um, he was running a three-four, and I'm wondering if if last year and the year before were more about this is the plan moving forward or if it was more of the personnel that was available to them. And I'm not necessarily saying that we're going to transition into a 3-4, but I wonder if we're going to incorporate it a bit more than, you know, than we think we will. Like, I I don't know if the 4-2-5 is just this is what we're going to run basically exclusively or if it will be, all right, we're going to have two base defenses uh, where we're basically going to be running either a 3-4 or a 4-2-5. The, the problem with that is um, the type of defensive lineman you recruit for a 3-4 defense and a four and a four-down lineman defense, I guess, are a bit different. But the reason I say that is just now you have four really talented linebackers that you're you're going to kind of want to get on the field. Cal Holiday was a freshman All-American. Jacoby Winman was an absolute star at UNLV, and he comes in as you know probably the best player, one of the best players in his conference um, coming into Michigan State. Quiveras Crouch, former five-star, SEC starter, comes in, starts from day one at Michigan State, gets better as the year goes on. Aaron Brule, SEC starter, comes up to Michigan State like, it's going to be tough to get these four guys on the field and all four of them are really going to want to get on the field and linebacker, you know, you got some psychotic dudes out there who just want to run around and hit people. 
And uh, I think that would be a really fun group to just follow around. You got some really different personalities too, between a guy like Cal Halliday and, and the rest of the group. Like you're, you would have some fun, I think, following those guys around all spring. Yeah, it'd be a great group to watch. I, I agree. I think there are some cards up the sleeves of the defensive coordinator. I mean, we, you look at the talent that we had when Mel Tucker took over at linebacker, especially going into last year. You try to put three – I mean, you try to run in D'Antonio 4-3 three, or a Narduzzi 4-3 defense with three box linebackers, you're going to have a really hard time finding that third one, let alone the second one, right? Um, so – yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You also have kind of unique options like a three-three-five if they really like having five and putting one or two linebackers, you know, on the end as stand-up guys. But you look at, like you said, just the kind of the prototype of some of the linebackers we're bringing in, like Brule and a couple of the recruits that we've been targeting um, in 2023 as well. It'd be surprising not to see linebackers in kind of that stand-up edge position a lot more than we saw last year. Um, and it would, I think, also allow some of those nose tackle and strong side end hybrid guys the ability to play that defensive tackle position in a three down lineman set where they don't have to play nose tackle. You know, you don't have to be the, the big, sturdy guy right in the middle going up against the, the centers and guards. You can line up square on the tackle or on the inside of the tackle. Um, and you have so many opportunities to go different directions, like a Kyle King, um, guys like that, who, who kind of moved around the whole line last year. So it'll be fun to see. Um, and, and then obviously in the back end, you mentioned Calday and Winman, who I think will be the main two guys roaming the actual defensive backfield um, throughout this season, which I, I'm really excited to see both of them for obvious reasons. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was trying to toss this around in my head. I'm like, you have the corners with a, a lot of competition going on and corners being arguably the most competitive position group on the team for most teams. I mean, those guys are, you know, they want to line up man to man, one-on-one, they want to go against anybody. And and that would be a fun group. The defensive tackles, I think are the deepest group on the roster. Like I, there's a lot of groups that I think you would have a lot of fun following around for a spring. So we're going to start here with the quarterbacks, which, like you said, I think would be interesting. There's not a position battle, but it would be interesting to follow them and see, you know, the Peyton, Peyton Thorne leadership in action, to see the battle for the number two spot, to see Caton Hauser, who's on campus, and, and see that arm in person. And is there a notable difference between the arm of Peyton Thorne and Caton Hauser as a young player? And, and you know, what's going on with, with Hamp Fay, a guy that's kind of like that mystery player because he missed time in high school. He missed a whole season. And then he was kind of splitting quarterbacks rep quarterback reps with another quarterback at his high school for a while. Like we just, we haven't seen a whole lot of him at quarterback. It'd be interested to see how he's coming along, but just to kind of set it up, we have uh, Anthony Rousseau, obviously heading out the door and now on the roster, you have Peyton Thorne, the incumbent. You have Noah Kim, Hamp Fay, Caton Hauser, Zach Gillespie, and Andrew Shorefar on the roster at quarterback. And obviously, most of this conversation is going to be centered around Peyton Thorne, who's, who started all the games last year. And I was kind of thinking about this, like, 
if you told me at this time last year or in August of last year, even when we didn't even know if Peyton Thorne was going to be the starter and we were both on board of hoping he was going to be the starter because number one, he brought that kind of uh, extra dimension with his legs that Anthony Rousseau just didn't. And then number two, he had the extra years of eligibility, which Rousseau didn't have. So if you told us, all right, Peyton Thorne's going to start on his own merit, not just because he's younger, but he's going to start because he was the better player. We'd be like, all right, great. I'm listening. And then you told me, and he's going to set the Michigan State single season passing touchdowns record as a first year starter. It would be like, whoa, okay. All right. Like we got something here in Peyton Thorne. And then you would tell me that, yeah, but nobody's really going to talk about it. <laughs> and like, obviously the context around nobody talking about it is because we had one of the most special seasons of all time at, at running back with Kenneth Walker, winning the, the Walter camp, winning the Doak Walker. And you had Jaden, Jaden Reed with a huge season. Like I kind of get it why people aren't talking about it, but at a position where quarterbacks in football are the most talked about single position in all of sports. And Peyton Thorne set a Michigan state record as a first year starter. Nobody's talking about it. It is just kind of a funny um, way to recap the season. And uh, so here we go into year two of Peyton Thorne this year, he goes into the whole off season knowing he's the guy and, uh, you know, again, kind of had that fly in the wall conversation. I would love to be sitting there in the meeting rooms and seeing kind of how he operates, knowing that he's the guy on this team. Yeah, it is. It's hard to kind of fathom with, with guys like Connor Cook coming through. Jeff Smoker had a few big years. Kirk Cousins had a big year in, in terms of passing touchdowns. Uh, 27 passing touchdowns for, for Peyton Thorne last year. Second, for those curious, was Kirk Cousins in 2011 with 25. And third, actually tied for third with himself, is Connor Cook in both 2014 and 2015. He had 24. Uh, you know, familiar names throughout the list, Drew Stanton, Jeff Smoker, Brian Hoyer, Brian Lewerke. Uh, but Peyton Thorne as a sophomore. Uh, and you look at guys like Connor Cook after 2013. Um, so if you just look at Connor Cook's career as a freshman, didn't really play. was behind Maxwell, very similar to Peyton Thorne behind uh, Rocky Lombardi and came in in the bowl game, led him to a win in the uh, Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl against TCU in 2012. Dreadful season all around. But great sophomore year, and everyone was talking about it. Connor Cook and the defense. But on the offensive side, it was Connor Cook that led us to the Rose Bowl, um, and everyone was excited to see what he could do next. Peyton Thorne. Everyone is certainly excited to see what he can do next, but I agree. He didn't get kind of that spotlight shined on him as much. And for the reasons that you mentioned. Um, so the question now becomes how much better can he get? Right? So he is, he was, it was his sophomore year last year. He's a red shirt sophomore. Uh, he has three years of eligibility left. So he could be on campus for six years because of that COVID waiver and the uh, red shirt year in 2020, 2019, um, so he's got a lot of time left. Uh, that said, you look at what you can develop as a quarterback physically three years in a, in a college program, he's probably not going to get physically that much more impressive. It's just a matter of getting better mentally 
technically and getting better at using his physical gifts, processing the game faster to apply those gifts to the game. So Kevin, when you look at a quarterback and I'm not, I'm no QB coach myself, right? So we're going to do our best here. But when you look at a quarterback like Peyton Thorne and you look at, all right, let's say he's got, let's say he's got two years left, right? Three years, I think great. That would be great, but I think that's pushing it uh, to expect anyone to stay in college for six years. So two years left with Peyton Thorne, how much better do you realistically think he can get? I mean, so the, the thing is, first of all, a lot better. I mean, it, the quarterback is a position where if you have the baseline physical attributes, which I think he has, um, it's a mental game, right? It's, it's learning how to just read the coverage a little bit quicker and how to manipulate the defensive backs a little bit better. It's, it's a mental game far more than it is a physical game. And I think we forget about that sometimes, but the interesting part with Thorne and, and will next year be better than this year is statistically, I think next year he could be a better quarterback and have a better year, but not have as good of stats. Like we could be looking at Peyton Thorne next year with 22 touchdowns and eight interceptions and 2,900 yards. And, you know, all of those numbers would be a little bit worse besides, you know, a couple less interceptions, but look back at it and be like, yeah, I thought he was a better quarterback this year because of what Kenneth Walker allowed the offense to do last year. Peyton Thorne was on play action last year he had 12 touchdowns and two interceptions. And that's obviously a, a large part because of the threat of Kenneth Walker. When, when you are running a play action with the best running back in college football behind you, obviously the defense has to take that into consideration. And so when you're looking at the, the, the stats that he had last year, he was top 25 in the country in passing yards, top 20 in passing touchdowns. Um, a few too many interceptions. We're going to have to, to lower that number a little bit. He was towards the bottom of the conference in that uh, in interceptions. But I think the threat of Kenneth Walker and and a deep threat in Jalen Naylor as well, like he could easily have a better year next year with, with a worse statistical output. So just to kind of put that out on the radar here in March, like we'll talk about it more as the season comes come sooner but you know I want people to kind of prepare themselves for that because I think the stats will take a little bit of a setback um, but that doesn't mean that he's not playing as well you also have the factor of the offensive line taking not necessarily taking a step back we don't know but a lot of gaps to fill a lot of experience to replace on the offensive line and if he doesn't have as much time in the pocket obviously that'll impact things make him think a little bit more I think one of the biggest reasons somebody like quarterback can get better as the years go on as they start to feel the game a lot better than they have to think about it if you're thinking you're thinking too slow as a quarterback and you could see that in Peyton Thorne especially in the 2020 season he had that reputation for leaving the pocket way too early because he's trying to think and and the game moves too quick to think you have to feel it you could see that start to come on this year he was feeling it more you feel the coverage you can feel the openings in the in the defense um yeah, but I mean, it, I think it's going to be a treat to watch Peyton Thorne. I think we've talked about this before. He's kind of that perfect 
um, blend of like talent and potential remaining, but also not quite like the, the physically gifted quarterback that the NFL would be salivating over already. Um, so he could be around for a couple more years. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we have a recruit who can, you know, you look at a guy like JJ McCarthy and I think I like Peyton Thorne more than, um, Cade McNamara, but you look at a guy like JJ McCarthy, let's just use it as an example. Let's say Peyton Hauser kind of shows that same kind of spark. How good does a guy like that have to be or Hamp Faye, somebody else could, doesn't necessarily have to be Hauser, but, um, how good does a guy like that have to be to really start to light a fire under Peyton Thorne? Right. Like to push him to the point where he's actually stealing some reps. Um, right. Yeah. I think you'd have to be pretty darn good at this point with what Thorne showed last year. You know, it's, I was looking through his splits and everything and, and a lot of it, you know, home versus road. It was pretty darn similar. His home completion percentage was 11 points higher than it was on the road, but like yards, touchdowns, interceptions were all pretty much the same. Um, thorn in wins versus losses was was a bit similar but you know what what really stood out so in september thorn had 900 yards 10 touchdowns to one interception so that was that really the the pace early on in the year he was crushing it obviously the the competition was a little bit lower but that four touchdown zero interception game against miami four touchdown zero interceptions against youngstown state that certainly helps and then in October, 900 yards, five touchdowns, five picks. Uh, that was the stretch where you went Western Kentucky, where he just didn't really need to throw the ball a whole lot. Only had one touchdown, probably could have easily had more. And then Rutgers, Indiana, and Michigan. And it was just a pretty tough stretch there for him. Obviously, Rutgers, it, it was a solid performance, but that Indiana and Michigan game where combined he was, let's see, four interceptions, one touchdown, uh, under 60% completion percentage, uh, quick math here, like 300 some yards between those two games. Like it was pretty rough at times. And, and this is where I give Peyton Thorne a ton of credit and, part of the way that you have to value your quarterback is making the big play when it counts like that Michigan game for most of the game for Thorne was pretty ugly, but when the time came that we needed him to make a throw, we needed him to make a play more often than not, he did it. And I give him a ton of credit for that. Um, and he finished the year pretty strong and obviously capped it off with the pit game and in the peach bowl where it was up and down and left and right. But ended up making a few throws and, and winning that game. But it, it was, it was kind of a season of ups and downs. And, you know, he's, I think one of the things we're going back to your previous thing, like he's going to need to be more consistent next year, just kind of a steady presence uh, more than he was last year, because you kind of look back on the year as a whole and game to game, it was up and down, but even play to play, sometimes it was up and down. So that's, I think when you're looking at, him improving and, and him being able to hold off some of these younger guys, it's going to be, you know, don't make those big mistakes, but also just keep the chains moving, keep this offense moving on a consistent basis. And that's going to be, I think the, the next big step in his progression as a quarterback. 
Yeah, a couple of things I'm interested to see this year specifically. Will he throw over the middle a little bit more? Will he throw kind of into the guts of the defense? It's the hardest thing to do as a quarterback. The best ones can do it, but it, it kind of separates, to use a cliche, separates the boys from the men at that position. It, you, anyone can throw it over the top and try to drop it in a basket. Anyone can throw it behind the line and let the you know the receivers do do the work. But can you get you know a 10, 15 yard crossing route through linebackers under the safety over linebacker? You know, um, he didn't have to do a lot of that. And and credit to the play calling, credit to the receivers getting open elsewhere. Um, and no team wants to do that very often, but sometimes you're forced to, depending on what the defense gives you. Uh, so is he going to do that? Is he going to have to use his legs a little bit more to expand our running game? We're, we don't have Kenneth Walker anymore. If we want to get yards on the ground, we don't know what we're going to get out of our running backs this year. But if they're not as productive as as we'd hope, are we going to have to use Peyton Thorne's legs? Are we going to have to run more options, something like that? Um, we'll see. Uh, RPOs obviously are getting more and more popular as well. Um, but all things that obviously Jay Johnson will be working with him on, I, I think – kind of a tangent here coming out of last season. I'm so impressed with Jay Johnson, just the way that he coaches, the way that he's developed his players, the way that he manages his play calling throughout the game. I think being with the same quarterback for a second year now, knowing who his guy is being able to spend all summer. I'm sure they're firing stuff back and forth, even if they're not, you know, together all the time. Um, Jay Johnson being able to build on a specific player's skill set. Uh, coming into this year, I think is going to be great for our play calling and for our, you know, just Peyton Thorne's comfort level. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see how his game evolves. But I think he's a great leader. We know that much. He's still got his his buddy on the outside, Jaden Reed. If he ever needs to throw a fifty fifty ball when he gets in trouble. Last thing before we move on to the guys behind Peyton Thorne, I was looking at this like the passing touchdown leaders in the Big Ten last year. First of all. CJ Stroud, the gap between number one and number two was 16 touchdowns. <laughs> CJ Stroud had 44, Aiden O'Connell at 28. The gap between Aiden O'Connell at number two and Graham Mertz at number eight was about the same as the gap from number one to number two. But I, I was looking at this. So basically all of the big 10 quarterbacks are coming back. So I was wondering kind of where does where does Peyton Thorne fit into this? So you have CJ Stroud at Ohio State, just looking down the list of passing touchdowns from last year. Aiden O'Connell at Purdue, who's coming back. Peyton Thorne was number three. Talia Tungavailoa from Maryland is coming back. Sean Clifford at Penn State coming back. Cade McNamara and JJ McCarthy coming back for Michigan. Uh, Adrian Martinez transferred out from Nebraska, so he's not coming back. But Graham Mertz, uh, Tanner Morgan over at at Minnesota. Uh, I mean, where is he? On the, is he top five, top three, top two? I Because I think he's firmly in top three to four pretty easily. And then it's just a matter of, you know, him versus Zayden O'Connell, him versus... Um, I don't know, I guess whichever the Michigan quarterbacks you prefer. Cause I mean, I'd definitely take him over Sean Clifford. I'd definitely take him over Tonga Vailoa. Um, I definitely take him over Graham Mertz, right? Like speaking of guys who aren't getting better throughout the year, Sean Clifford, I feel like has been around. Maybe it's because he reminds me of previous Penn state quarterbacks. It feels like he's been around forever and it feels like he's been the same player every year of his career. He absolutely Um, has. 
goes back to like the Christian Hackenberg came in huge hype, five-star guaranteed NFL spot, never got a dime better in mm-hmm. his, in his few years in college. But um, looking back at Peyton Thorne, sorry if you hear our uh, Spartan dog behind me, Padfoot shaking it out. Um, I, yeah, I think top five, certainly uh, Aiden O'Connell. It's hard to know. Jeff Brom runs such an interesting system. It's hard to know if that's Aiden O'Connell, if it's the play calling, if it's the fact that Purdue throws the ball a billion times, although last year was a little different to their credit. Um, and then he's, I don't know. They're, like you said, there's that th- two to five range where everybody's a little bit similar. They got their strengths and weaknesses. It's going to be fun to watch them try to kind of establish a pecking order. Not that you, not that you need a pecking order, but um, the other interesting thing you just mentioned, almost all the quarterbacks are coming back. All of the big 10 coaches are coming back this year, which is a, obviously a rarity, all 14 returning. So be some consistency at both quarterback and coaching. So you'll see a lot of the same kind of football. I think this season, uh, if you ask me, CJ Stroud's far and away the best. Um, his system helps him, but watching some of the throws that he can make, he is clearly a great quarterback. Um, I think Peyton Thorns too. I'm obviously biased, but I could still be right. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I kind of feel the same way. Um, it's either two or three. I, that's that's the way I'm looking at it right now. But so behind behind Peyton Thorne now. You're looking at Noah Kim, who's been here a couple of years now. You're looking at Hamp Fay, who came in last year. And you're looking at incoming uh, Kaiten Hauser, who was the uh, in the 24-7 sports composite, a four-star quarterback, 226th in the country overall, 15th-ranked quarterback. He was at uh, St. John Bosco out in California. He was splitting reps last year with... Uh, what's it? Pierce Clarkson, who is a Louisville commit. So they had another uh, quarterback there who was a D1 kid who who also had, you know, the other people are saying, well, why was he split in time with this other quarterback? Well, the other quarterback actually also had a Michigan State offer and was a four star. He had offers from Arizona State, from Michigan State, NC State, Ole Miss, Oregon, uh, Pitt. So, you know, this was a pretty loaded high school quarterback room between the two of them. Uh, but Caden, Caden Hauser, elite 11 finalist, uh, brings a lot of hype with him to East Lansing for a guy who was once committed to Boise and was kind of that, you know, middle three-star sleeper quarterback suddenly has a lot of hype around him. And, uh, We'll see what what pans out of him. I I brought him up as a mystery player last week. Uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and do it. And I was saying, you know, Caden Hauser's career it could be one of two paths. It could be, look, he's a really talented quarterback, and he could be a foundational piece of this Mel Tucker tenure. Or we just talked about Peyton Thorne, and he still has three more years of eligibility if he wants them. Like. I don't know how long Caden Hauser is going to want to sit around and wait uh, for a for a potential starting job. He could transfer back to Boise. He could transfer somewhere else. So uh, I think that storyline is going to be interesting. But then again, you're looking at Hamp Fay. You're looking at Noah Kim. And with today's day and age of the transfer portal, the backup quarterback position I think is the most difficult thing for a coach to find. Because if you have a really good backup quarterback, he's gone. I mean, he's going to go somewhere else and start. But you don't want to 
bad. Like I was listening to somebody who was talking about how do you recruit a backup quarterback? Like, do you just, if you're Alabama, right. Do you just intentionally recruit some middle three-star kid? Who's just happy to be at Alabama and you know, he's not going to transfer out. Like you want all the four and five stars you can get, but at the same time, you know, those guys are just going to transfer out and leave anyway. Like the backup quarterback is so difficult. And I feel like Noah Kim is that perfect guy who he just seems like a guy who's happy to be here you know he's not really like itching for you know cutthroat I'm going for a starting job kind of guy but I don't know man it's it's the backup quarterback in the transfer portal era is a fascinating conversation I mean you talk about um Kaden Hauser's history at St. John Bosco he transferred there, I mean, it's obviously not the transfer portal. High school is a whole different ballgame, but he was, he's from Nevada. High school transferring, speaking right. of, that's a wild place. Right yeah, now. I mean, you're moving your whole family. I think his family moved out there with him, which families do that, right? I've heard all, especially for snow sports, they're like, oh, yeah, our family, we moved to Colorado so our son could pursue skiing or something. And I'm like, you, you do that like your whole life? Anyway um you're that confident huh yeah he was at uh i can't remember the high school but katen hauser was in nevada he was playing with jeremy bernard there um before he went out to california so he's obviously comfortable moving around to pursue an opportunity right um he had to do it already and he's not even it well he's in college now but he wasn't at the time um and then you look at the other couple guys i mean noah kim what is, is this his third or fourth year on campus now third third year on campus wasn't a huge recruit so you you lose a little bit of that you know people telling you you're going to be great before you ever make it anywhere kind of influence but um and Hamp Faye I remember was kind of a flyer he was injured his junior season so he didn't get a lot of attention on the recruiting trail he had a good senior season and a pretty good sophomore season um but was just a little bit under attended I guess um so we still don't necessarily know what he is. The coaches loved what they saw. And, you know, there's a chance he's just as good as, as Kate and Hauser just doesn't have as much film out there. Um, and, and in the recruiting in college football, you know, as, as any college football fan knows, anyone can bust, right. Kate and Hauser could be a total dud. Uh, Noah Kim could rise from the ashes, not ashes necessarily, but come out of nowhere and, and be the next guy. Um, it could come from anywhere. And it, we are trying to kind of neglected this point. We are trying to preview spring ball here. So as we look at spring ball, if you watch the spring game, depending on what format it takes, keep an eye on the other quarterbacks. Um, I don't know how they'll be distributing snaps, but it'll tell us a little bit about where the coaches heads are at and what the coaches want to see out of those guys. Um, and then if we get the opportunity early in the season to see, maybe a little bit of a blowout the second strings come in. That's going to be the first thing I look at is who, who is number two, you know, God forbid, knock on wood. If Peyton Thorne goes down with an injury or something else happens where he can't play, who, who is getting the keys to the Ferrari, you know? Um, because right now I will we'll probably cap this off with a, Hey, pick one of the three, right. That'll be our last question here. So I guess, Kevin, I'll just throw it over to you. <laughs> if you had to pick right now, one of those three guys, who's your backup quarterback today, who is it? Yeah, so first of all, week two, Akron at home. We, we'll get some backup quarterback action there. Akron is a horrendous football program, so we we will know by then. Um, you know, it's probably Noah Kim. 
my philosophy because your backup quarterback, you can go one of two directions. You can have a guy who can make all the throws, can make all the plays. You're not really sure how well he knows the playbook. You probably got a handful of plays that you know he knows and you know he can run. But other than that, it's kind of a wild card. He, he might make some crazy throws, good or bad. Or you can have the guy who's just going to like, all right, let's just – you know the playbook. Don't don't try to just throw the deep ball into single coverage. Just make your reads. One, two, three, throw it away. One, two, three, hit the guy, right? Hand the ball off. Just just keep it moving. And I'm more in that line when it comes to my backup quarterback. I want a guy who is gonna finish off a win, is going to if if we God forbid, knock on wood, if we need a backup quarterback to come in for three games, right? I I think a backup quarterback should be able to beat uh, Maryland, should be able to beat Illinois, right? Just because we're going to have a pretty stark talent advantage throughout the rest of the roster that if you come in, you don't screw it up, we should be able to squeak out a win. Whereas you bring in the young kid who doesn't really know everything he's doing yet. He throws a couple interceptions and then suddenly that home game against Indiana is, you know, we're losing by two touchdowns and you turned around and you're saying, what the hell just happened? Right. So that's okay. That's maybe that's the best way to frame it. So in November, there's a three game stretch at Illinois versus Rutgers and versus Indiana. Would you rather have Noah Kim come in, run the offense, and just hope on the rest of your talent to to win out in those games? Or you take your chance on the young kid and the upside and risk, hey, you might throw a couple picks and just absolutely blow these games, but you know, you might see something. <laughs> yeah, I think it depends where the season is too, right? If you're having a great season, there's stakes. You gotta go. Eh. I don't know. Do you go with the safe bet and say like, we need to give ourselves a chance uh, or do you take the flyer and say, the only way we're going to keep this train rolling is if we put the talent where it needs to be and see what happens. I don't know. I think personally early season, I'm taking Noah Kim um, because he's been around the playbook long enough. You know, he's going to turn the right direction to do the handoff. Um, you know, there's crazy <laughs> things like that that happen with backup quarterbacks. Um Late in the season, I think it's it's a lot harder to say. Um, if the season's kind of ugly, you just throw your talent in there and get them some reps. Um, early season, though, I'll take Noah Kim. And as we wrap this up, Kevin, um, my mind drifted over to Twitter. I'm going to get an instant reaction from you from the football world, not from Michigan State. I saw this. <laughs> Tom Brady coming back. He's coming on back. Third season to win another championship, likely. Uh, I don't know if he'll have any non-gray hair left, but didn't even surprise me a little bit. The the guy spent like what two month. months with his family and was like, God damn it, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Six weeks after he retired, he's like out of his routine. The man who's known for his godlike routine, he yeah. he's like shelves it. He's like, no. The guy's an absolute psychopath. Anybody who thought he was like a hundred percent retired was out of their mind that he's a complete and total competitive psychopath. So he is basically the Michael Jordan at this point, you know, Michael Jordan of football with all the rings. So he might as well retire and unretire. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. Yeah. 
So anyway, that's all I got. Speaking of backup quarterbacks, Tom Brady, probably <laughs> he was a backup quarterback at Michigan. Drew uh, Henson, former yeah. Brighton Bulldog uh, legend. Yeah. So there's your answer. How do you recruit a backup quarterback? Just find the next Tom Brady. <laughs> it's easy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You talk to NFL draft uh, fans and they, they'll all tell you the same thing. Well, why would you get this quarterback in the first round when you can just get this guy in the fourth? It's, like, well, it's not that easy. Um, yeah. So, so join us in the bracket challenge. We're going to have some fun with that this year. We'll be posting that on Twitter. Like we mentioned, follow us on social media. Um, as spring has kicked off here, uh, or will when it actually kicks off, we have uh, a little surprise for you. So stay tuned on social media for that announcement. And uh, until next week, uh, we're switching to two a week here, live on the podcast announcement that I totally forgot about because we got to fit in all the position groups. Uh, we'll keep you posted on the schedule. Let, let's just say it that way. So keep an eye on social media you'll know when the the episodes are releasing. So until next time, when we get into the running back position and, uh, you know, any news that comes up between now and then in the program, whether it's recruiting or transfer portal or otherwise, uh, make sure you're following us and we will let you know. Anything else before we get out of here? Mm, No, that's all I got. Cool. So uh, we will see you guys next time and uh, make sure you're subscribed so you get the episode right up in your feed. Until then, go green, go white. Take care, folks.